0: Well this gospel that we have uh, just proclaimed through communion is um, is on the move. The gospel's not stagnant. It's not just hanging out waiting for something to happen. The gospel is on the move and we need to be a church that's moving with the gospel. If you take a look in the uh, New Testament, it's it talks about this gospel that Jesus Christ is our deliverance. Without Christ we're not delivered. And so we must have Jesus. We must Trust in him and we must follow him. It's the whole picture of the new testament And as we do this we got to move because because god and his stubborn love for people Wants to use us. We're that plan a there is no plan b So if we do not respond to the gospel if we just let it dead end with us God is going to skirt us. He's going to move around us and he's going to use other people and so and, and we will stagnate as believers. We will construct a religion around ourselves and keeping us comfortable if we do not respond to this gospel that's on the move. And uh, as we look at as we look at that, there are some realities in delivering this gospel uh, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, go and make disciples. And so we're to go and do that. Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, when he was describing this kingdom that he would bring to earth, he said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on, on upon you and you will be my witnesses. And then he told them where he would take them. He would start with them in Jerusalem and then he would move them out to Judea and Samaria. And then he would move them to the ends of the earth. Do you see that? There's a movement. And that's what the whole book, the outline of the whole book of Acts is about. Is, is the church taking it from where they lived and scattering throughout the known world at that time. And advancing the gospel and we see the gospel moving from jerusalem judea samaria and then by the end of acts it's to the ends of the earth nothing could contain it because god is moving the gospel and so as we look at that we had a look at that i want to direct your attention to first thessalonians chapter 2 and we're going to see some realities about how we can join with the movement of the gospel. So we won't be stagnant in our walk with Christ, but we'll we'll be with boldness and declare the gospel through our lives. First uh, Thessalonians chapter two, beginning with verse one, Paul writes this He said, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of, of much conflict. One of the key spiritual realities uh, of the gospel is that it's declared in conflict. The gospel is declared in conflict. Here, Paul was talking about a conflict in Philippi, which we studied this summer. And what happened to him in Philippi? Well, after he pronounced the gospel, after he declared it, they took him and they beat him up and they flogged him with leaving probably a lifetime of scars on his back. And then they put him in shackles, which contorted the body so that it would spasm as it's in there and threw him into prison. And so he said, you know what it was like for us in Philippi in Acts chapter 17. Just write this one down. You can take a look at it later. But in Acts chapter 17, they go to Thessalonica and they, they preach over a series of three weeks in the synagogue about how Jesus, through the scriptures, must be the Savior, must be the Messiah. And and some people trusted in Christ, others rejected it. And so they they leave Thessalonica, running for their very lives. But he gets this report back that, that the gospel took root and the gospel is growing in their lives. And they looked at it, and, and he just said, the gospel's proclaimed in an, in an environment of much conflict, and it's a reality. There's realities that the scripture gives us about the conflict in this world. Number one, there's a conflict of kingdoms conflict of kingdoms between good and evil god and satan heaven and earth the god of the universe going against the temporary rebellion on earth one day god will judge this one because we're all accountable to god but but right now there is a conflict of kingdoms the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth there's a conflict around you in the lives of people 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Paul says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. In other words, without even knowing it, there's conflict with the gospel. Because the gospel comes in and not only says there is a God, but he has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was that perfect sacrifice to, to, to not only forgive us with God, but to restore us back to God and to cre- create us as whole again with God with each other and with ourselves. And that that king that conflict around us is, there's not a general acceptance for the gospel in our world. We don't just, when we proclaim it, people just go, wow, thank you. That's what I've been missing all my life. No, there's conflict with this, there's, there's resistance to it. And then there's even resistance and conflict within us. Wanting to make our lives independent. Wanting to control our own destiny wanting to craft our own image wanting to protect our own way of life where life is on my terms And we fear what the gospel would do in our lives We fear how we would look if we declared the gospel We fear what people would think of us or whether or not they would accept us and i'm like you I don't want to be a jerk. Okay, I really don't I don't want people to to look at me and say what a what a mess up. I mean what a jerk I I don't want that and that many times prevents pre- prevents me from declaring the gospel cuz i don't want people to reject me and that's a conflict within us and we've got to like paul says we've got to have courage when we declare the gospel it's he said we had boldness in our god to declare to you the gospel of christ there needs to be that courage where we can be bold not jerks, but where we can be bold in a humble, loving, caring way. Until Jesus returns, there will be conflict. John 16, Jesus said this, In the world, you will have tribulation. In other words, for conflict, you will have people going against you. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's keep reading. Gospels declared in conflict, conflict but, but let's... Let's take a look at this. It says in verse three, it says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart for we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. What what um, what Paul is talking about here is, is about the gospel being defended. It's not only declared, but it's defended. How is it defended? Through integrity. In other words, our lives help defend the gospel. How we live. These were people when they intersected with God... Their lives didn't stay the same. Their lives changed. They were transformed so that your life can be a platform for the declaration of the gospel. Paul said we didn't do this with an arrogance or with a superiority or with pride or selfish gain, but through integrity. Look at some of the key words he says, not from error or impurity or deception, not to please men, but to please God, not with flattery or with greed or in trying to make money off of the proclamation of the gospel, but more so to, to, to keep it pure, to keep it genuine, to keep the gospel authentic in our lives by being the people that God calls us to be. So the quick question is, do you live with integrity? Does your life show that you are a follower of Christ? If someone were to form a theology after at what they observe in your life of what a Christian is, what would their theology look like? Would it be false teaching? Or would it be the truth? See, that's a question. We cannot expect to represent the gospel in our lives if our lives aren't reflecting the power of the gospel in our own lives. Paul kind of charts out, how is this defended? What does what are the goals of integrity here? He said, first of all, we need to be pleasing the Lord. Our lives need to reflect more of Jesus and less of ourselves. We speak not to please man, he says, but to please God who tests our heart. What he's saying is we can fool each other, can't we? But we can't fool God. How you live with God needs to be how you live out in the world. You can't fool him. So he sees he sees the inside of your life and he sees the outside of your life. Those need to be a holistic pattern of integrity in your life and in my life. And then the other one is living authentically. We need to live authentically to others. Genuine people. And again, we cannot expect to speak and act in a godless way and then have a platform to preach Christ. We need to be people who are the same on the inside as we are on the out. And so we need to just... Step back for a moment and ask that question Is is my life promoting the truth and honesty of jesus christ Is my life consumed with temporal things or eternal things is my life show the priority of god in my time and my priorities Is my language representing christ And, And then when we realize are we? Whole. are we do we are we people of integrity Is there that fluid pattern well if not we need to just repent from that and say lord i don't want to be like that i want to start a new day and want my life to represent the gospel i believe in the gospel my life needs to follow the gospel because we trust in the way of christ for us not just the visa card from grace you know where we just keep charging our sin you know it's paid for. It's paid for. It's paid for. No, no big deal. I can live however I want. No, our lives need to authenticate the gospel. We need to take a step back. If it's words, we need to stop it. If it's actions, we need to stop and, and just start a new day with humility and authenticity. I'm a book called Integrity by Henry Cloud, and in it he details not just being faithful to your wife if you're married and and being an honest worker at at work. But what's your relational integrity? He calls it a wake that as you know, you're a boat and you're going through life and you look back at your wake. What does it look like for people to intersect with your wake? What kind of wake have you led relationally in this world? And, And I think that's been that's been transformational for me because it's caused me to really look at how our How am I loving people? How am I being, how am I using integrity in my relationships with how I treat people? How I sometimes compromise my behavior just because I don't want to upset someone or, you know, have conflict in my life. Do I have integrity with that? And the reality is, is so many of us can have a great theology, but we look at the relationships of our lives. If we were just to look back, what would that look like? There's conflict and there's chaos and there's overturned lives because of patterns in our lives that we need to address. Because the gospel needs to be working, not stagnant in your life. It needs to be transforming you with the good news of Christ. So let's keep reading. The gospel is a deliverance. It's declared in conflict. It's defended through integrity. And let's keep reading. Verse 7 says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives, our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. I love this in the NIV. If you have it, it said we loved you so much that we not only shared the gospel of God with you, but our lives as well. I love that. What is what is it saying? He's saying that the gospel is not just not not just um, defended through integrity, but it's distinguished by love. It's distinguished by love. They were all changed because of the love of God that came through Christ. They shared it because it was motivated by love. It moved through them. The gospel is on the move. Like I mentioned earlier, you will not and you cannot stop it. Governments have tried to. Kingdoms are in conflict. But the gospel will move forward because the gospel is a picture of God's stubborn love for people. And if we want to be involved... Great. God will empower us through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want to stay back and build life around us as Christians, just making life comfortable, then God will skirt us and he will move away from us. We're assured of his presence when we're distinguishing the gospel by the love of God. And look at how it's defined by the love of God. He says, we were gentle among you. We were gentle among you like a mother... A nursing mother taking care of her own children boy that's something of gentleness Um, if you're a mother right now and your child is still nursing you know what I'm talking about that child is close you're looking at that child and you're counting the fingers and you're counting the toes and you're saying wow what a gift from God you're gentle with this child in the same same way Paul said when we came to you we weren't arrogant we weren't we weren't um you know harsh with you we were gentle with you. Uh, do you treat people with gentleness? Because that's a huge how you distinguish how you distinguish the gospel is that it's it's not just another religious system. This is a relationship with God. And God God is far more gent- gentler with us than than we deserve. How are we with people? Sometimes we can be so harsh with the gospel. Scriptures call us, call us to be gentle. And then there's another word of commitment here. Because he talks about a motherly love. This is a family relationship that's based on a commitment. A lifelong commitment with people. So many Christians that, that have the gift of evangelism even will go, Hey, here's the gospel. Take it or burn. You know? And the person says, Well, man, I guess I'll burn then. And they go, Okay, I'm out of here. And they don't have that commitment. They don't have that commitment with people. God's crafted people in our lives who are there. And and we cannot love them whether or not they trust Christ. We have to love them no matter what. As we're gentle, as we make a commitment. Paul said we, we're like a he was like a mother caring for her own children. We really realize that the people are a gift from God. People are crafted in the image of God. You do not save people and you should not judge people. Only God is the judge. Only Jesus saves. So we've got to love people and we got to model the love of Jesus who loved us before we came around to accepting him. Who loved us before we believed him. That's how we have to love. We don't love people if they become a Christian. We love people because Jesus loves people. And we share the gospel with them. That's huge. And then he talks about that we not only shared the gospel with you, but we also, also shared life together. And that's how we distinguish it. We share life with people. You make a commitment and you share your life and I believe that the most effective way to make disciples is to share your life with people. That's why we go. That's why we go to different places and we share the gospel. That's why missionaries leave this this culture and go to other cultures and they live in those cultures. They don't start an internet evangelism program that just tune on to this and you'll hear the gospel. They, they go and they share their lives. It's part of missionary work is that you share your life with people. That's part of being entrusted with the gospel is that you, the word is incarnate ministry. It ministry takes on flesh in your life and you share that with people by sharing your lives with them. I read one commentary that said this when we love people. Well, we become the proof of God. Love is the greatest investment we can make in our community, our region and our world. We're called to do this. Because the gospel is distinguished by love. So what does love look like in your own life? It should be something that distinguishes you. So. If the people who are around around you were to, to, to think of three words that describe who you are, would love be in one of those words? That's what the gospel is asking us to be. That the people, the people you work with, the people you work for, the people you live with, the people you live around, the people you interact with in life, would love be one of those words that people would use to describe you? The scriptures are saying it ought to be in there. It ought to be in there. Oh, but I'm a person of truth. And this world is darkness. And I need to shine the light of Christ. Yes, you do. But you must be motivated by love. Not just by the the pride of being right. We've got to balance truth and grace through our lives. We have to. I can't tell you how much damage we do when we just promote the truth and I'm right and you're wrong and this is how it should be and this is how it is and we're in and you're out. That will that will cause people just to turn their back on you and on the gospel. We have to balance the truth of the gospel. Do not compromise the truth but we must be motivated by love. That's our goal. Is that an easy thing to do? No. No, it's not. But just remember your relationship with God. We're in here because of the love of God. Not because of the judgment of God. We're in here because of the the love of God. And our lives have been delivered. And we've been delivered not because of any good thing you have done or not because of your family background or your income or your position in life. You're only here because of the grace of God. And so am I. So it's not like I'm a superior person than you or you than me or we than anyone else in this world. We're only here because of grace and that humbles us that cuts us and that transforms us to see the love of god and to let the love of god distinguish us from uh, from everything we do so you know as as we do this our church has been involved in taking this mission taking this gospel and moving it outside Of us in our location in our uh, local area as well as our regional area as well as around the world And one one guy who's really dedicated himself to outreach in a global perspective is named aaron catlin And I had aaron kind of share his thoughts with us as he leads that ministry And many of you have been involved in and i'll talk to you more after he, he talks about this But listen to his heart on what god is doing here
1: My name is Aaron Kaplan. I've been involved at FBC for about eight years. Um, I became passionate about missions. Uh, specifically, I think, going from a point of just attending church to being passionate about the mission of, of God. Um, for really from, I think, reading the Bible, from teaching that I heard, I realized what God's mission for the world is, his, his mission to redeem, um, is no different, whether it happens in North Africa, North Topeka, or your neighbor that's north across the cul-de-sac. And so that's something that... Uh, I read the Bible, looked at it through God's plan throughout the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, um, something that really struck home with me. I think um, a key part of that transformation that he did in my my heart and my life um, came from just my realization that uh, I may have even just internally mostly complained about the church isn't doing this or the church isn't doing that or I think the church ought to do this. And as I sort of Ruminated over that and, and discussed it and prayed about it. God was really clear with me and said, um, "Whenever you say the church should do this or the church should do that, you need to put your name in there, Aaron. That Aaron, you can do those things. You need to be passionate about those things." And so that's um, something that's been really, really um, integral in my life is the thought of, "I am the church and we are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not um, even just this this group of people, but." It's a, it's a collective of individuals and, and, and their response to God. And so as we look at that, that that's been hugely transformational in my life is when I, think about, when I think about the church, if I think about my part in that body of Christ, because the church is the body. What I see God doing um, through missions here at FBC is uh, giving us the opportunity to transform, transform lives, both within our church and um, all over the world. And that's exciting. We get to partner with God. Um, in what he is doing around the world, and that is to transform people, to bring redemption to um, every tribe, type, and nation. He's talked about throughout the Bible from the time we we fell in Genesis until Revelation, the the entire story about God continually redeeming a fallen and broken people. And we're no different um, than the Israelites when they were taking laps around the mountain. And when we look at what he's doing now, he has said, I am going to redeem this people. I will bring
0: a huge...
1: Multitude of worshipers uh, of every skin color, language. uh, The gospel goes beyond any of those barriers that that we put up between us as humans. Um, We look at that at FBC. That is to extend our vision, extend our our view of God and of the gospel. And I think that's what's exciting about what we do. That's what I see now. We get a bigger view of God. We get a bigger view of his plan. And as we align ourselves with what his heart is, we get to Participate in what he's going to do. He is going to be victorious. He is going to be glorified. Um, our choice is whether or not we will participate in that with him and um, and just receive the reward of faith through that. If you're here and you're wondering how you can get connected um, with missions at FBC and ultimately with the mission of God, I would uh, I would point you toward um, getting connected. And it doesn't matter what your passions are, whether it's local or global whether you have a gift of hospitality or the gift of accounting, um, there's a place for you and you're needed. And uh, I would just encourage you to go to the Connection Center, get connected. Um, they'll steer you in the right direction and we'd love to have you.
0: One of the things he said is um, when you're involved in missions, God gives you a greater picture of who he is. He becomes a, a bigger God to you. And you know, that that is so true. When you want to have a small God and a small picture of God construct religion around your life. Construct your faith as something when you come here that it's all for your comfort. It's all for you, not as all about God. But when I get involved in the mission of God through the sharing of the gospel, advancing the gospel, I get a bigger picture and I see more people. My life intersects with more people that I can... I can realize God loves them and I want to share this with them and I love them. And when you share life with them and your life is is uh, integral and you're showing them Christ by how you live. God just shows you a greater picture of who he is because you're following him and you're being brought into an environment where you're seeing his power in the lives of people. So big God is big mission. Your mission will determine how big God is. If my mission is just about me, there won't be room for God. My mission is all about him. Limitless. You see the eternal God. Unlimited by space and time. When we jump into his plan for the ages. In, in promoting the gospel. So I'm going to call you to upgrade. You can expect me to call you. And to challenge you. To follow the scriptures. And to join in on the heart of God through mission. You can expect me to expect great things from you because we get us pastors get what we expect and if i don't expect much if this is just a church that we're going to come in sit down shut up pay up and leave then that's what we're going to get no you are a gift from god and if the gospel has invaded your life you have the opportunity to allow the gospel to just beam out of your lives each one of you Have that opportunity to do it. So I'm going to call you to that God-ordained calling. You're all in the ministry. So, believe. Believe. If you're here and this is the first time you've heard the gospel, it's the first time you realize it's not in what you do. It's not in religious performance that gets you in. It's only the grace of God. Believe. Trust. Turn to Christ. Turn away from your sin. Trust in Christ alone, in His work. And trust in his way for your life. You can do that by faith. By simply saying, I believe. I believe that Jesus truly is the only one who can deliver me. He's perfectly loved me. Completely forgiven me. And finally and fully defeated the power of sin and and death in my life. I trust in Christ. And believe Believe that once you've believed, believe that God is using you. You are his plan A. There is no plan B. Believe that the greatest thing you can do is advance the gospel with your life. God has invested you wherever you're at. If you're a school teacher, if you're a garbage collector, if you're a public employee, if you're a, a business owner, if you have a practice, legal or, or, uh, or uh, medicine practice... Folks, God has invested you. You are his plan A in that environment. Believe that. And believe that your number one role is to reflect the gospel in life. Secondly, be available. If you look at the number one word in the New Testament of people who trusted in the work of Christ, what their key value was throughout actually the whole Bible, let's not just limit it to the New Testament, is these were people who were just available. They weren't people of high intellect, high wealth high uh, position in life. There are people who humbled themselves to God's plan and said, I'm available. I'm available wherever, whenever. That is the single most important value of our church. When we have been available to God, God has just blessed our lives. It's not a five-step plan. It's just, I'm available. I'm available to be used. And that's the greatest place for a Christ follower to be, is available and aware. And I would just encourage you, I'm available and I'm looking around me. And you're going to have an opportunity as you're available just to look and say yes to God at that next thing he's going to show you to do. And when you're available, like after the service, if you're available for a global trip, whether it's to Living water and, and, and building a freshwater well for people who don't have fresh water in a third world country, or whether it's going to Trash Mountain to help build a school there for children. I'm just amazed at what God has done through that one ministry at Trash Mountain. Do, do you realize a year ago they had a hundred kids in that school and they were about to fold? and due to the partnership with us and uh with fellowship bible and Topeka Bible Church there are now over 300 kids in one year in that school 300 kids that you've adopted along with along with uh, Topeka Bible Church 300 kids who are getting two meals a day their education and Christ and today, this is a great moment to talk about this because today they're launching a church at that school and we've hired a pastor to, to start that church in and, and plant a church so that the parents can be reached to these children in that area. And it's a very, very poor area where people can't drive. They walk to this school. And, and I talked with Brett Durbin and he's down there this morning and it's happening just as I'm speaking right now. This is happening in one year. Because we were available. By the way, Brett has asked us to pray for a little girl named Christy. I'd like you to put her on your prayer list. Brett talked about her. He won, you know, she won his heart and, and she's HIV positive and she lives in this environment and she's developed an infection and she's in the hospital right now. He's asked us as a church to commit and I told him I would, I would tell our congregation, pray for Christy that, that God would heal her through this. But so many things happen when we're available. I want to encourage you to be available, to love and share the gospel. After the service, if you are open to a global trip, I want you to come up here and talk to someone who's going to be up here and write your name down. Love Topeka's next week. That's how you can be available one morning a, 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 a month. And, and then we do ShareFest. And ShareFest is on October 15th. Write that date down. Don't Don't miss it. Because I can't tell you how many walls have broken down when we have just loved our community by doing a landscape overhaul for 501 schools. I mean, this is unbelievable when we're available. And then finally, upgrade and be intentional. I want you to look for this in in your program. Look for this card and it says intentional on it. I know it's a play on words, forgive me, but that's how I remember it. Intentional. And it has a list, one through ten. I want you to think of ten people you have in your life who you are not sure of whether or not they trust in Christ. I want you to write their names down. And if you have, don't have ten people in your life who you're not sure, then you're too, you're, you're too holed up. We, we need to open up. There need to be people in our lives. We need to love more people than just those who believe like we do. We've got love people Jesus loves. And we are that plan. And I'll just be honest with you. um, I can really be insulated in a church. And I can only serve Christians if I'm not careful. I have to be intentional in my life to open up my life for people who don't know Christ yet. And I need to be available. I need to be available to them. There's three actions right next to each of their names. Number one, I'll initiate a friendship. If you don't know, if they know Christ and you don't know them yet, I mean, or or don't know their names yet, get to know them. Form form a, a caring relationship with people. Share your story. Be open to sharing your story about how you met Christ. Invite them to join you here at Fellowship. That's a great opportunity. The easiest one is for you to invite them to come and just go, Hey, what did you think? It's amazing how many spiritual conversations come out of, Hey, what did you think? And then just be used by the Lord. If they go, Hey, I'm not interested in what you're interested in. I just don't believe in Christ. I'm an atheist or whatever. Just say, okay, okay. I'm, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to be your friend. We don't do this and bait and switch. We don't do this, you know, just to, you know you know twist their arm to christ we do this to be authentic christians but be intentional i found out that if i'm not intentional i'm not aware and i'm not available be intentional write those names down then take it and put it in your bible and pray for it I've listed that verse 1 Thessalonians 2.8 that said we loved you so much That we were delighted to share with you Not only the gospel of God But our lives as well Because you've become so dear to us People we need to be a church That loves And, and holds people as dear So that even if they don't believe in Christ Okay They know you love them Even if they say forget it I'm out but I know he loves me. I know he, I know she cares for me. We need to be that kind of people. That's the New Testament church. That's the church we're called on. Write those names down, pray, and be open and available. Folks, this is how the kingdom of God grows. This is how healthy growth in our lives happen. This is how healthy churches grow. But it's not about building a bigger church. It's about giving the greatest gift that's ever been given to us back to other people. And that's how the gospel moves. How many of you had the gospel shared with you by someone? You should all raise your hands if you trust in Christ. We all had. So that's what God does. We need to do that with others. We need to share that. Plan A, you are the plan. Plan B, there is no plan B. God will skirt us if we neglect this. We need to be in because the gospel is on the move. Let's get moving with it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. And in your word, we see a God who is active, not dead who is who is uh, changing and transforming people, not distant and away, who's in relationships, who's distinguished by love, who's, who's not letting the conflict of this world, the conflict around us, the conflict within us to prevent the gospel from moving, but people who've been moved by the Spirit of God to share the good news. May we be that church. May we be those people who are the church. For it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.